I'm Matthew Kruger with Kruger Hay Farms in Stockdale, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas cotton crop is struggling with weather challenges. We have some early planted cotton, we have some late planted cotton, and this hot weather is affecting it in all different ways. We'll take a look at how the South Texas cotton crop is coping coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's a lot of milk produced every day in the Texas High Plains, and it would be nice if a lot more kids were drinking it. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about a legislative push to return whole milk to public schools. A railroad crossing elimination program will help rural communities when it comes to safety, convenience, and supply chain fluidity. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from the U.S. Secretary of Transportation on Texas Ag Today. Combines, planters, sprayers, and trucks have been on the move across North Texas. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We hear reports of some excellent corn and milo crops in Texas right now, but the cotton crop is facing some weather challenges, depending on where you're at. Jim Shigarek grows cotton in the Texas coastal bend. Cotton is up and going. We've got water running on it today. It's still got a ways to go, and we're still going to need some rain this summer to try to finish it with, but right now it's knee-high and, and pretty. Luke Etheridge is an agronomist with BASF in South Texas. He says the potential for a good cotton crop is there, But with the planting dates all over the place, some cotton is looking good, while the rest is struggling with the extreme temperatures. Some of the early planted cotton that got planted that last week in February down there looks really good. I don't know if it's going to hold on and wait on a rain or it's just going to call it quits. And it is what it is, but it looks pretty decent. The other cotton that was planted April time frame or whatever has probably got to about mid-bloom. And it really needs a drink. Cotton loves heat, but I don't know if it loves this much heat right now. So that definitely needs a drink to kick that into gear. But it's there. Gary, the fruit set's been good. I'm hearing now that the operas up in Central Texas are starting to be a bigger issue. But I think we're set up for a good one. We just need a rain and maybe a break from the heat. The latest Texas cotton crop ratings show 30% of the crop rated good to excellent. 38% rated fair, and 32% of the crop rated poor to very poor. USDA is asking Texas farmers to file their crop acreage reports soon. 
Farmers, if you have not yet done so already, now is the time to file your crop acreage reports with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducheneau said filing an accurate and timely crop acreage report is an important step in receiving USDA program benefits, including safety net, conservation, and disaster assistance support. USDA acreage reports document the crops grown and their intended uses. Farmers should also report failed acreage and prevented planning acreage. Contact your local USDA service center for an appointment. The deadline for acreage reporting for many counties and crops is July 17th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Twelve U.S. cotton industry members were chosen for the National Cotton Council's 2023 Emerging Leaders Program. The program provides participants with a better understanding of how the NCC carries out its mission and gives them an in-depth look at NCC programs and the cotton industry. One Texan was chosen for the program this year, cotton farmer Trey Beyer of Portland, Texas. There is a lot of milk produced on the Texas High Plains, and it would be nice if more kids were drinking it. James Hunt tells us there is a legislative push to return whole milk to public schools. It was about a decade ago that the federal government adopted policy that removed whole milk from the school lunch program. Now efforts to reverse that policy are being made in both the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. I asked Darren Turley of the Texas Association of Dairymen for his thoughts. Oh, I think it's huge. We can trail back our young consumer adoption of milk as one of their main drinks of choice. Whenever the food pyramid changed, we saw that fall off. And so from my generation as being older, we always remember having fresh milk, cold milk at the food hall for us to drink during school, whole milk and chocolate. And once we went to the Skim and 1%, uh, even maybe a little 2% in some schools, uh, that really did hurt our ability to train new drinkers of milk because it's frankly just doesn't have the rich full taste of whole milk or flavored milk. And so we feel like this is a huge opportunity just to kind of swing things back in the right direction and start getting our young students at schools just introduced to high quality milk and full flavored milk. Once again, that was Darren Turley of the Texas Association of Dairymen. Obviously, cultivating new consumers of whole milk would be good for dairy producers across the country, including those here in the Texas High Plains. But the proponents of returning whole milk to public schools also cite nutritional benefits. Whole milk provides 13 nutrients essential for growth, development, healthy immune function, and overall wellness. But the government says nearly 90% of our nation's people are not meeting the recommended daily intake of dairy products. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The United States Department of Transportation is trying to reduce the number of railroad crossings in rural America. Tom Nicoletti visited with the U.S. Secretary of Transportation about the issue. The U.S. Department of Transportation has various projects underway across the nation to improve safety while still being able to transport goods from one end of the country to the other in a timely manner. One of these areas of focus is in the rail industry. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg addresses the concerns surrounding highway railroad grade crossings, which are intersections where a highway crosses a railroad at grade. 
Another big focus for us right now is just having fewer at-grade railroad crossings. So if, we, if, if you dig into the safety statistics, the number of fatalities that are recorded by the Bureau of Transportation Statistics on rail have mostly been in the single digits in recent years. But there's a very big asterisk on that, which is that over 200 people a year lose their lives at at-grade crossings. They just tend to be counted statistically as roadway deaths. You could look at it either way. So for safety reasons, not to mention convenience reasons and supply chain fluidity reasons, the less grade crossings, the better, especially in rural areas where maybe you don't have a lot of other places to go if the crossing you're counting on is blocked by a long train or worse, a stop train. So for the first time, we have a railroad crossing elimination program specifically set aside alongside the other pots of funding we have to help communities deal with that. And we're, we're finding some other programs can be used for this too. So one of the rural surface transportation program grants, for example, went to Moorhead, Minnesota. Their downtown has this exact problem. And we're able to help them eliminate some key crossings, running it under or over the, the road that way. So those are some examples of where even though we're not going to own and operate most of the railway in this country, we are going to take responsibility for improving it. That is U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is a lot of agricultural activity happening right now in north central Texas. Barry Mahler has an update from Wichita Falls. There are two times of the year here on the rolling plains where in farming communities there is never enough equipment and not enough operators. And that would be in the spring when it's time to plant milo, hay, and cotton and harvest wheat. And in the fall when wheat is planted and cotton is harvested. And we're just getting to the end of the spring busy season. The wheat harvest is winding down as the combines move north to follow the ripening grain up through the wheat belt. And the news is pretty good. This crop was a big question mark going into harvest because we had some dry weather at a critical time when the wheat was heading. And even though it looked good, you just don't know till the combines roll. Well, we're hearing some yield reports of 45 and better all the way up into the 60 bushel range. Now, of course, there are some thin stands in a place where it missed the rain and things like that. And we're hearing a few mid-20s, but those are to be expected. You have those from time to time. But all in all, a good crop, and the market's not too bad, finding support in the mid to upper $7 range, and that's pretty good. That's something to be excited about. One downside to the wheat crop is that it was an expensive crop to grow due to inflation of input. So a good yield and fair price that would have provided a strong profit a few years ago will really only cover costs and kind of keep the operation going for another year. The cotton crop is in the ground, seems to be up to a pretty good stand, but the weather pattern has not been friendly with light showers of a quarter to a half inch of rain moving through the area. And you might think, well, what's unfriendly about that? Well, every time one of those thunderstorms come along, we get grass pressure. It greens back up in the crop and we've got to take care of it. Now, we're lucky to have good genetics that let us attack the grass to keep it from competing for moisture, but every pass is another job when everyone is already busy, and of course, it adds cost to the crop. But getting the crop up and going is a big part of the challenge of raising it, and now it's up to the weather to see what the potential will be come fall. Maybe we can have things wrapped up and at least uh, some of the pressure off by the Independence Day holiday, as it seems nearly everyone I talk to is ready for a break. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Muller for Texas Ag Today. Research is underway in far west Texas to determine if reducing AWDAD numbers can help bighorn sheep. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the suspensatory ligament is a common cause of lameness in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The suspensatory ligament is a common cause of lameness in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says the ligament attaches to the back side of the knee and hock. The suspensory ligament inserts around the horse's fetlock, but one of the more serious conditions occurs at the origin of the ligament at the knee or hock. The area at the top of the ligament near the hock and knee is called proximal. So this disease is called proximal suspensory desmitis, meaning inflammation of the ligament. The condition is difficult to treat, and some horses have to retire from work due to this disease. Dr. Sue Dyson from England performed a study looking at the conformation of the hock to determine if that would have an effect on the development of suspensory ligament disease. The researchers found that for every degree of increase in hock angle, or for every angle the rear legs are straighter, there is a 12% greater chance of proximal suspensory ligament disease developing. Dr. Dyson examined 194 horses with confirmed hind limb lameness and horses that were sound. She applied markers to the legs and used imaging and photos to measure the hock angles. They found that horses with larger hock angles, meaning the legs were straighter, had increased chances of developing proximal suspensory disease. Also, warm-blood horses had a greater risk of proximal suspensory disease, even without increased hock angles, and may be genetically predisposed. Dressage horses seem to be more susceptible than horses performing in other disciplines. Dr. Dyson feels the relationship between large hock angles and proximal suspensory disease is well-known by veterinarians, but not so well-known by breeders. It is a good idea to avoid selecting horses with hock angles greater than 165 degrees for breeding and performance. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Research is underway in far west Texas to see if reducing ALDAD numbers can help bighorn sheep. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. To protect Texas' native bighorn sheep population, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Borderlands Research Institute at Sol Ross State University are studying methods to control the ever-growing exotic Audad population. Audad, or Barbary sheep, can carry a bacteria called MOV that kills 90% of bighorn sheep that are infected with it. Research shows Audad can transmit the bacteria to bighorn sheep via indirect and direct contact. So now TPWD and the BRI are studying potential ways to manage the spread of the disease by managing the Audad population. Froilan Hernandez, TPWD Desert Bighorn Sheep 
Program leader says one method to do this may be aerial gunning of ODAD. Every aerial gunning episode, you reduce the number of infected ODAD on the landscape till you essentially lower the prevalence of the bacteria out there. That's a very crude description of the project, but that's essentially what the disease aspect of it entails, if we can manage to reduction of infected animals. TPWD has already sampled ODAD in West Texas to determine how many of them carry the bacteria, creating a baseline for infection rates. Those subsequent aerial gunning episodes will test those animals, and we should be able to compare either increase, decrease, or stable prevalence of infections on the landscape through those aerial gunning events. There's currently not a vaccine to prevent MOV. The research into methods to reduce the deaths of bighorn sheep caused by MOV is ongoing. Several partners are involved in the project with BRI and TPWD, including non-governmental organizations and landowners. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It is time to check those markets. We'll look back at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I wasn't. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh, listen in the barn, skill loader, tractor, then just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on in the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market closed mostly lower on Monday. Live cattle were mixed. The nearby June contract, of course, lightly traded, getting ready to go off the board, was up 20 cents. It finished at 177.70. The August down 17 at 170.60. The October live cattle contract down 47 at 174.02. Feeder cattle, same thing. Slight losses with August feeders down 27, 233.67. September feeder cattle down 20, 237.50. With October down 5, 240.10. Cash fed cattle market last week, selling most of our cattle here in Texas at 180. That's two bucks lower than the previous week. Up north, dressed cattle sold mostly at two ninety. That is six dollars lower than the previous week's average. Boxed beef prices lower on Monday. Choice down a dollar thirty five, three thirty two sixty six. Select down twenty six at two ninety nine seventy. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Madison Bexley, my guest. Maddie has Lockhart Livestock. Maddie, how'd the Thursday sale go? We had a good day. Uh, we had good numbers and good shower yesterday and evening and this morning. So it was a it was a good day. We ended up with 1103. That's 255 cows and 17 bulls, 162 sellers and 86 buyers. Walk the pins with us. Uh, the starter cows, uh, the market was steady to higher this week on a really active market. Uh, the good pairs brought from 16 to 2300. The mediocre and middle-aged pairs from 1050 to 1550. The good bred cows from 1250 to 1600. The mediocre middle-aged and short-bred cows from 9 to 12 and a quarter. The longhorn and the planer cows from 575 to 875. On the packer cows and bulls this week, uh, packer cows would have been higher and bulls about steady with a, with a week ago. The dead high yielding cows from 98 to $1.11. 
The medium yielding cows from 87 to 97. Low yielder and lightweight, mostly 70 to 86, and the bottom end uh, from 58 to 69. We didn't have any real high, good high yielding bulls this week. Uh, the low and medium yielding bulls from a dollar two to a dollar twenty-two. And on the calves and yearlings, uh, you know, we've had some negative pressure the last week or so, but actually the market was steady to higher on an extremely active market. So couldn't have asked for, for a better day today. Good. I'm glad it was a good sale. Hope there's another one next week. Uh, what's your Fourth of July? holiday schedule we have a sale next week but we will be closed the following week on july the 6th well tell everybody how to get a hold of you you can always check us out on facebook or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476 my cell phone at 979-540-9793 or you can ring bubba at 512-461-6091 madison thank you so much for the report my name is larry marble and you're listening right this moment on texas ag today Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Orlean hogs finished higher. July hogs up 212, 9340. August lean hogs up 37 cents at 9005. Class three milk was mixed. Nearby June milk unchanged at 1493 a hundred weight. July milk down 46, 1489 a hundred. The cotton market dropped lower on Monday. In fact, we've closed at the lowest level of 2023 now. Technical factors seem to be pushing this market lower, as well as some beneficial rains across the U.S. Delta and the Southeast here in the last few days. October cotton dropping 267 points to close at 77.16. The December down 81, 77.86. Corn market was mixed. Traders still keeping an eye on the Midwest Corn Belt drought and the possible weather forecast, trying to figure out what the rain prospects look like here in the coming weeks. July corn finishing six and a half higher, 637 and a quarter. September corn down three quarters, 584, with December corn up a quarter penny, 588 and a quarter. The wheat market finished higher on hard wheat, lower on soft wheat. We had a big run-up in the wheat market right as the markets opened on Monday because of the attempted political coup in Russia. However, those gains backed off quite a bit on the close. July Kansas City wheat finishing 7.5 higher, 8.66.5. July Chicago wheat down 9, 7.24 and a quarter. In the energy markets, July natural gas up 6 cents, 279. August West Texas crude up 34 at 69.50 a barrel. The financial markets mixed on Monday afternoon. The Dow was up 69 points, 33,796. The Nasdaq down 80, 13,412. The S&P down 4 at 4,344. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.